Acts chapter 13, and we are going to start in verse number 42. Acts chapter 13, and we're going to start reading in verse number 42. And our plan, Lord willing, is to be able to take the final few verses here of this chapter and give you three thoughts here tonight that I hope will be a help to you, and maybe we can make application of it tonight before we go on our way and start into this week. Now, in Acts chapter 13, I like to at least review the chapter we're in. So we'll real quickly review the chapter. In Acts chapter number 13, uh, the Bible tells us that the first missionary journey is going to start here. Paul and Barnabas are sent from the church there in Antioch. That church was established in Acts chapter 11. And now they are going to be sent from the church there in Antioch to go out and to start this first missionary journey. Well, they get to Cyprus. By the way, when we were in Good News Club this past week, we taught a lesson from Acts chapter 13 about uh, uh, their, their journey to Cyprus. And so we get to Cyprus in Acts chapter 13, and uh, the, the Barnabas and Paul, they face some opposition, but they get to see their first convert, the first convert that comes to know Christ the Savior there on this missionary journey in the area of Cyprus there. And then they travel, the Bible tells us, to Antioch in Pisidia. And the Bible tells us that in Antioch, Paul preaches his first recorded sermon. And And when we, get to chapter, when we get to verse number 42, I want us to try to understand three things tonight that we see at the end of this chapter. And again, I hope these will be a help to us tonight. First of all, I want us to see this, and this is in connection with the sermon he preached. The first thing I want us to notice tonight is the result of the message. I want us to notice the result of the message. So after this message was all done and it was closed, we see after that some results that took place. Would you look at verse number 42? We're going to look at verse 42 down to verse number 44. And we're going to receive the results of this message. Look at verse 42 with me if you would. And when the Jews were gone. So now at verse 41 the message comes to an end. Now we see the results. And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue. The Gentiles besought that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. So the first word we want to concentrate there. On is in verse number 42 is the word besalt. Now, what is the result of this message that was preached? Well, the result is that there is a desire that has been now stirred up for the Word of God and the preaching of the Word of God. As a matter of fact, the Bible says the result of this is that they are beseeching Paul and Barnabas that the words that you have preached would be words that we would get to hear again the next Sabbath. We don't want you to just preach that message and leave. We want to hear it again. Now what encouragement here, because this ought to be every one of our desires, shouldn't it? To know the Word of God more. Let me ask you by way of application in your life tonight, 
Do you desire the preaching of God's word? Do you desire, do you look forward to opportunities that you're going to have to hear the preaching of God's word, no matter who's preaching it? Now, that is in light of, of the fact that we want to listen to a preacher now that is preaching from the word of God now. But as we're hearing preaching from the word of God, do you desire that? Do you long for it? Are you looking forward to when Sunday rolls around? And you realize that Sunday morning starts with Sunday school and you're going to get to hear the teaching of God's Word. And teachers, you're going to get to teach God's Word to others. And then do you look forward to Sunday morning? When Sunday morning rolls around and we realize we're going to get to hear the preaching of God's Word, do you desire it that much? Do you desire to be in church on Sunday night where you say, I'm going to set aside other things that might distract or get in the way because Sunday's a day that's set aside for the Lord, right? And we're going to be in God's house and we're going to make the Lord's day the entire day, right? And we're going to be here for Sunday school and Sunday morning, Sunday night. And we're going to long to hear the preaching of God's word on Sunday night. And then it's almost as if you can't wait to get to Wednesday night. Because Wednesday night you realize I'm going to get to hear more preaching from God's word. Now we're getting to spend time in God's word every day now. We understand that. But it's just something about saying that just the desire that I have to hear the preaching of God's word. Now, there's an evangelist who used to come to my, uh, I would say my church, my church when I was growing up over there in Frederick County. And his name was Evangelist Ed Dunlop. And we always looked forward to when Brother Ed Dunlop would come because he was a children's evangelist. And he would come and he would do what he called kids' crusades. And so he would come in for a week, he'd start these on Sunday, and he'd go all the way till Friday. I mean, it was a highlight week, man. We would take the buses out. When I was a child, I was working on the bus, so we'd take the buses out. And I mean to tell you, we had them full. If that bus fit 66, we had 66 on there. I'm not exaggerating at all. I mean, we had them filled. We would bring these, we would bring children in, and then, of course, we got, as children, we got to enjoy it too. We'd come in there, and we'd hear uh, Brother Dunlop as he'd uh, give the Word of God to us, and it was just a thrill to my heart as a young person when I knew Brother Dunlop was coming and it was on the schedule. Well, Brother Dunlop has wrote several books. And one of the books he wrote, here's the title of the book. The title of the book is this, I Can't Wait Till Sunday Morning. Now, the idea of the book is he was trying to be a help to those that are involved in children's ministry. He was trying to encourage them in this book that it ought to be that when children come to your class, they're excited about being there. And they want to be in class and it's almost as if the child can't wait till Sunday morning rolls around because they know when Sunday morning rolls around they're going to get to go to Sunday school, they're going to get to go to church and they're going to have an exciting children's service and they're going to learn something about the Word of God. Well, may that title of that book be an application for our lives. I can't wait till church service rolls around. I can't wait till I have opportunity to hear the Word of God. Now, there's a lot of things that we might say, I can't wait till this gets here. I can't wait till that gets here. And I understand that changes with age. Probably some of you that are a little older, if somebody told you they were going to take you to an amusement park, you probably wouldn't say you couldn't wait for that right now, right? But you, as a young person, man, I can't wait. Man, you hear you're going to an amusement park, man, I can't wait for that. Maybe a vacation or a trip you get to take. And you say, I just can't wait for that. There's a lot of things we would say we can't wait for, but this is the result of the sermon. They are desiring to know more of the Word of God. Look at verse 43. Now when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes 
So these were the, 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 these were the converts that had, 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 had heard the gospel. Notice the word here, verse 43. Look down there in your Bible at verse 43. What does it say? They followed. They followed Paul and Barnabas, who speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. Now there's a couple key words here in verse number 43. Would you look at it one more time? The word followed. So they follow Barnabas and Paul. They are, watch this, persuaded. So they not only are following after them, but they are persuading them. They're trying to urge them. Now notice the last word. To continue. They want them to continue in the grace of God. Now we know what the word grace means. That has the idea of God's favor in our lives. By the way, the gospel is really pictured with grace, isn't it? For by grace you are saved through faith. That's the gospel right there. So what are they saying? We want you to continue preaching. We're following after you because we're persuading you to continue preaching. We're persuading you to continue serving God. Continue to give the message of the gospel to those that are here to hear. Now, I have not had a time. Now, I'm coming up almost on about 25 years of full-time ministry. And in my 25 years of full-time ministry, I've never had anybody follow me out to the parking lot and say, could I please persuade you to preach a little bit more tonight, all right? I've never had that happen now. Now, some of you are probably going to do that tonight, <laughs> and you're going to follow me and say, hey, I'm, 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 I'm wanting to know more. I'm wanting to hear more preaching, and you're going to ask for more. But that's what's happening here. Can you picture this? I mean, they're, they're, they're getting done with everything, and they're following after them to say, hey, we are, we are begging you. We're, we're, we're beseeching you. We're asking you, would you come back and continue preaching the gospel? Well, now notice the result here. Look at verse 44. And the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city. Oh, now we, we I, was I, was telling, I was saying to Brother Rob right before the service, we, we love our city, don't we? We love Boonesboro. Why do we love Boonesboro? There's nothing special about Boonesboro in and of itself. It's because we love the people in this city, don't we? And we want to reach them for Jesus. And we love the people that are in Keatesville and Sharpsburg and Hagerstown in our county here, don't we? We love people. We want people to hear the gospel. And so that's what they're saying here. They're saying the entire, almost the entire city. Could you imagine now? If almost, the, what, what is Boonesboro? A population of almost 4,000. Could you imagine tonight? If we were to say almost the whole city of Boonesboro's coming into the church tonight to hear the gospel. Now, we'd be rejoicing in that, wouldn't we? We wouldn't have enough seats, but we'd be rejoicing that the city of Boonesboro is coming to hear the gospel. Are you seeing the results of this? I mean, this is amazing to look at what's happening here. They're begging them. They're following after them. And when the next Sabbath day comes, almost the entire city, the Bible co says, comes together to do what? To hear the word of God. So it, it, it isn't as if they're coming to just say, well, I'm just passing some time. No, they're coming for the purpose of hearing the word of God. Wow, what powerful verses when we see the results of this message that Paul preached. But the second thought I want to give you tonight is this. I want us to notice, now this is a sad part of this passage. I want us to notice the rejection of the Jews. The rejection of the Jews. So the exciting part tonight is the results of the message. That's the exciting part. But the sad part tonight is the rejection of the Jews. The Jews were trying to push away the preaching of the gospel. Look with me if you would in verse 45. 
But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul. Now notice the last three words. Contradicting and blaspheming. Verse number 45 talks to us about the rejection of the Jews. Why does the Bible tell us that they are, what, what does the Bible tell us their reaction is? Notice they have envy in their heart. Now we would describe that, of course, as jealousy, right? Now why are they jealous? The Bible tells us why they're jealous. Would you look back at verse 45? But when the Jews saw the multitudes, that's what caused the envy. The Bible tells us they see the crowd of everyone who is coming to hear Paul preach. And I truly believe, as I read verse number 45, now I might be reading into this, but I truly am convinced when we read verse number 45 that the Jews would not have been so upset had there not been so many people that were convicted of their sin, recognizing their need of a Savior, and wanting to hear the gospel. What I mean by that is this. People can get stirred up when things are happening for God. Now, if, if, if nothing was happening, they wouldn't have got stirred up. But here, because people are wanting to hear the word of God, and they're wanting to be saved, and they're wanting to be introduced to the Savior, all of a sudden it stirs up this Jewish crowd where the Bible tells us that, that pride and envy gets in the way rather than rejoicing. They should have been rejoicing because multitudes are coming to hear the message. But instead of rejoicing, the Bible tells us they're filled with pride and they're filled with envy. They resented the fact that the gospel was reaching people and, and that it was, it, was, it was reaching people in an effective way. As a matter of fact, when I read what I read here in verse number 45 about the Jews, I am convinced that part of the envy and part of the pride and part of the jealousy was based on the fact that they re resented the fact that the Gentiles were the ones that were believing. If it were other Jewish people that were believing, that would be okay. That's one thing. But to have the Gentile people have an opportunity to respond to the gospel, they simply did not like it. And so the Bible says they are filled with jealousy. They're filled with pride. They're filled with envy. Would you look down at verse number 50 for a moment? Verse number 50, the Bible tells us what they do. But, but the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women. Now, women never let anybody stir you up like we're going to hear about here in verse 50. All right? Here's what the Bible tells they do. They go to these women. The Bible tells they stir them up. And notice what happens. And the chief men of the city, men don't let anybody stir you up like this. Look what it says. And raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them out of their coast. They didn't want them there anymore. They raised up persecution against them. Isn't it unique that Paul was the man who was persecuting Christians and now he's being persecuted because he's following the Lord. He's doing what God would have him to do and now he's being persecuted. Now he's being thrown out of the coast of these cities. Notice what's happening here. If you go back up to verse number 5, you'll notice at the end that the Bible tells us they were speaking against those things which were spoken by Paul. So could you imagine the strife that is being stirred up here? Paul's trying to preach the gospel. Meanwhile, there's Jewish people that are trying to sow discord about what's happening, about what the message that's being delivered. Can you imagine if one of the things that as a church we certainly ought to always desire is to have a spirit of unity. 
Could you imagine if our church didn't have a spirit of unity and I'm up here preaching the Word of God or Brother Merrill last week preaching the Word of God or Brother Corey gets up here and preaches the Word of God or anybody else preaching the Word of God and somebody's out in the pews just trying to sow discord, trying to just go against what's being preached. And the Bible even uses words that says they contradicted him and they blasphemed him. Then the Bible tells they're stirring up persecution. So what their desire is is to stir up the persecution that's going to cause Paul and Barnabas to have to go out of the coast of the cities. So we notice the rejection of the Jews. But then we finish the message this evening with some more exciting news. We started with some exciting news, the results of the message, and then we noticed the rejection of the Jews. But we get to finish with some very, very, very exciting news because number three tonight, we want to be challenged by this passage of Scripture as we close here tonight, as we notice the reception of the Gentiles. The reception of the Gentiles. Did you know that's true of you and I today as well? We're either going to receive the gospel or we're going to reject it. The Jews are a picture of those that reject, but the Gentiles are a picture of those that receive. We either receive or we reject. We have a choice to make, right? God has created us with a soul. We have the ability to make a choice. And we're either going to reject the word of God or we're going to receive it. We're either going to say no or we're going to say yes. If you've said yes to God, praise him for that tonight, right? That he lives inside of you, that he's your savior. If you've never received Christ and maybe there's been times where you've said no to him, if he's speaking to your heart tonight, would you receive him? Would you receive the message that God has for you tonight? Here's the idea. I want you to notice the reception of the Gentiles. Would you look at verse number 46 with me for a moment? We're just going to slowly, real quick, finish our message by going through a couple of these verses. Look at verse 46. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold. By the way, it takes boldness to serve the Lord, doesn't it? And the Bible says they are waxing bold. Notice what it says. And said, it was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you. He said that was a necessary thing, that the word of God was spoken to you, meaning to the Jewish people first. So Paul is letting the Jewish people know that you had an opportunity to hear the gospel first. As a matter of fact, we know that's true. I'm going to take just a moment to turn over to Romans chapter 1. In Romans chapter 1 and verse number 16, the Bible says these words. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. By the way, let me pause here for just a moment. By the way, I'll pause for two thoughts. Number one, this is the Bible verse that we are teaching the children in Good News Club this week. We taught them this Bible verse right here, Romans chapter 1 and verse number 16. So if you wonder what verse the children are learning, this is what they're learning right here. And we tried to teach them last week the idea of being bold for Christ. Be bold for Christ, right? That's what he desires for us. So it says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Now let me pause here just for a moment to say this. In many of the, this is why we would say we trust the King James Bible that we hold in our hands. In many of the modern versions of the Bible, they take out the word Christ. Can you imagine now if this verse was presented without the word Christ? For I am not ashamed of the gospel, and that's it. Now the God, we understand what the gospel is, but it's the gospel of Christ, isn't it? Is what he did for us. I'm thankful that we hold a copy of the Bible in our hands that says it's the gospel of Christ, right? Now watch this. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Now here's the key tonight. To the Jew first and also 
to the Greek. Now, some will take this verse out of context. And they will say that when Paul wrote this verse to the church there at Rome, he was meaning that the Jewish people are more important than the Gentiles. Meaning that the gospel was presented to them first because they are of greater priority to Jesus. But that is not what this verse means at all. What it means is, is that in chronological order, they were presented the message of the gospel first. So if we would say chronologically in our Bible, we would see that the Jewish people heard the message first. And then God helped those Jewish believers to know that our eyes are open to the fact that the Gentile people who we always thought were unclean can now hear the gospel as well and we're going to let them hear it too. And by the way, I'm thankful tonight that the gospel got to this Gentile. I'm thankful that we're able to receive the message of the gospel, right? So we go back to Acts chapter number, uh, number 13 and we read in verse number 46 that when he was waxing bold, he said it was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you. Again, not because you are priority over the Gentiles, but just because in chronological order, that's the way that God had the gospel presented. But now Paul says this, because you have rejected the message, I'm going to turn the message to the Gentiles. Notice what he says at the end of verse number 46. He says, but seeing ye put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, he says, we turn to the Gentiles. So now we're going to turn to the Gentiles and we're going to present the gospel to them. Now let's read on, verse number 47. He says, for so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. Now, Paul in Acts chapter 13 and verse number 47 is giving them the biblical reason for his decision. All right, no decision Paul makes is not without a biblical basis. So his biblical basis comes from an Old Testament verse in the Bible. If you want to look that verse up later, that verse that he quotes in verse number 47 is a verse from Isaiah 49 and verse number 6. Now, can you in your mind think back to Acts chapter 9? Now, we're in Acts 13 now, but you remember in Acts chapter number 9 what happened? Remember Saul? He's persecuting the Christians. He gets letters in Jerusalem there to go to Damascus so that he can bring uh, Christians back, persecute them, put them in jail, perhaps even put them to death. But then a bright light shines down. He's gloriously converted. He's told to go to the city of Damascus and to wait for a man named Ananias, right? You remember Acts 9. What does Ananias come and deliver? What, what, what message does he come and deliver to Paul? Saul at the time, he delivers the message that God wants you to be a preacher to the Gentiles. That's the task that God has for you. So Paul says, we're going to turn to the Gentiles. And we're going to give the message of salvation to them. Now, let's notice what happens. Look at verse 49. We're finishing here now. Verse 48, I'm sorry. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad. Man, there's several things that take place in this verse. Notice them. They were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. 
What is the Bible teaching us here in verse number 48? That the Gentiles heard the word of God and then they received the word of God and then they rejoiced in the fact that they got to hear the word of God and that they were able to receive the word of God. The Bible uses the word glad. They heard the word of God. They received the word of God and they were glad. Can I ask you tonight, are you glad about the fact that you've heard the word of God? Are you glad that somebody shared the message with you? Are you glad that you got to hear it? And are you glad that you had the opportunity to receive the word of God? Every one of us would say, we know the result of not hearing the gospel. So we would say, yes, we're rejoicing. We are glad in the fact that we got to hear the word of God. Now notice what happens, or what, what, the, what the Bible says at the end of, of this verse here. It says, and as many as were ordained to eternal life believed now, please do not confuse what the Bible is trying to say here in verse number 48 because there are many that would believe that God has already predetermined who was going to be saved and who was going to be lost. Now, if that's the truth, then number one, we do not have a free will. If God already predetermined who was going to be saved and who was going to be lost, number one, that means we do not have a free will to receive or reject. But then number two, if that was true, we would have to throw out John 3, 16, wouldn't we? Because God so loved the what? World that he gave his only begotten son. We read later in the book of, uh, of, of 1 Peter that he, he's not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness. But his long-suffering to us were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Matter of fact, we even read in the book of John where it says that if you come to him, he will in no wise cast you out which means that every one of us are in a position where we can receive the gift of salvation if we so choose to do it as we hear the word of God. So that is what the Bible is telling us. At the end of verse number 48, it's saying, as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. What that simply means is this, that based on God's foreknowledge of those who would believe and would put their trust in him, those were the individuals that believed. God in his foreknowledge knows who is going to believe and who is going to reject, but he did not predetermine that. He gave us a free will, didn't he? And we have the ability to receive or we have the ability to reject, but in his foreknowledge, because he is God, right? Because he's omniscient, because he knows everything, in his foreknowledge, he knows when you hear the gospel if you're going to receive or if you're going to reject. Well, God knew in his foreknowledge that those that heard the word of God that day were going to receive it, and they were going to be glad about it, and they were going to rejo be rejoicing over the message that was given to them. Now, real quickly, look with me, if you would, at verse number 49. And the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. Antioch of Pisidia was affected because of the preaching of the gospel, wasn't it? It was published throughout all the region. By the way, remember when Paul preached that sermon in Acts chapter number 13? Remember, there was a crowd of folks that were listening. Then the next Sabbath day comes, and the Bible tells us there's even a greater crowd. There's even a greater crowd now that's listening. Because almost everyone in the entire city came to hear Paul preach. Are you noticing a pattern here? When Paul's in front of a crowd, he takes, he takes, a, he takes a, a, a advantage of that opportunity, doesn't he? I mean, here's a crowd of people that need to hear the gospel, and I am going to take advantage of that opportunity. Can I ask you tonight, I guess by way of a truth, by way of an illustration, by way of an application in our lives, let's learn to be faithful in publishing the Word of God at every opportunity God gives. I'm so thankful for so many testimonies 
that our church family shared with me of opportunities they had to talk to people when we were inviting people to the revival. I'm so thankful for windows of opportunity the Lord opened. Listen, we're either going to take advantage of those opportunities or we're going to let them pass us by. But may God make us faithful Christians where we'll say whenever there's an opportunity, we're going to take advantage of it and we're going to preach the word of God. And that's what he did in his message and that's what he did the next Sabbath day as well when there was a host of people from throughout the whole entire city that gathered. The Bible says the word of God was published and by the way, there was a great effect because of that. When we meet together on Saturday for the celebration of life service for Miss Betty Gaither, guess what? There's going to be an opportunity to present the gospel. And I'm trusting the Lord will use me that day as I have an opportunity to present the gospel, not because of anything about me, but because of his message that's going to be preached. On Tuesday, we're going to get to teach in the public school, aren't we? There's going to be an opportunity to present the gospel to people. And we're going to take advantage of it, aren't we? On Wednesday, there's going to be two schools where we're going to meet in and we're going to take advantage of the opportunity God gives us to present the message. Let's take advantage. Let's be faithful to take advantage of every opportunity that God gives us to spread the word of God. We're going to finish with the last two verses. Look at verse 51 if you would. But they shook off the dust of their feet against them and came into Iconium. You say, wait a minute, this verse doesn't sound like it's making sense. Well, remember we already read verse 50. And we skipped a few verses. We'll come back to what the Bible says in verse 50. Remember what it said in verse 50? They tried to stir up persecution so that Paul and Barnabas would leave the region, would leave the area, would leave the coast. Well, the Bible tells us right before they leave the coast, they shake the dust off of their feet. You say, what does that mean? Well, that's the Bible illustration of saying they were willing to separate themselves from unbelievers to go and do what God would have for them at the next city. It's kind of like the idea, I'll give you an illustration that might be helpful for us today. If we knock on a door and we have somebody that is a little rough to us. By the way, I don't think we have too much trouble with somebody being overly rough. We're, we're not mistreated real bad when we go out visiting. And I'm thankful for that. But somebody might say, well, I'm not interested. I don't want to hear about that. I told you this morning about that man that I met at the door uh, this past week and wanted to have a conversation with me about things that he believed the Bible said that I don't know where he would have found them in the Bible. He wanted nothing to do with it. He said, I'm going to let you know. And he said from the very start, I'm going to let you know right away, I'm not coming to that revival, he said. What we do? We move on to the next door, don't we? We say, all right, if you are rejecting the gospel, you don't want to receive it, at least I can plant the seed, right? At least I can say, hey, here's a gospel track, and by the way, some won't even take that. But we're trying to at least do that, right? And then what do we do? We just move on to the next door. And by the way, I think some people at times are surprised with that. I had a man kind of backed away from the door and felt like he had to slam it in my face yesterday when he told me he wasn't interested. I said, okay, thank you for your time. And got a little bit easier at that. I think he thought we were just going to kind of keep on trying to go. But no, what do we do? We just move on to the next door. And we just trust God for results in the future. And that's what they did. You don't want us in your coast. You don't want us in your city. We'll shake the dust off of our feet. We'll go, that's Bible illustration of saying, hey, we'll go on to the next city. And we'll try to preach the gospel to there and see if people will believe there. Look at verse 52, if you wouldn't, we'll finish. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. Now, there were a limited number of Christians when they first arrived there in Antioch and Pisidia. But when they left, how many were there? There were many. Man, what a crowd of Christians when they walked out of that city, walked out of that region they were in there, Antioch and Pisidia. Why? Because they faithfully had proclaimed the word of God. 
And when we faithfully proclaim the word of God, God will produce the results, won't he? I love that verse in the book of Isaiah where it says this, that his word will not return void. If you're going to do what, if you're going to be faithful at what you ought to do that God asked you to do, you be faithful and you do what God asked you to do and he will produce the results. Leave that part up to him because his word will not return void. I said yesterday, even in our bus meeting, I gave a, I, I read a little article for those that were at our bus meeting yesterday, our visitation meeting. I read a little bit, an article about how that we need to be patient as soul winners. And the thought came to my mind, I wonder how many children over the years that we have taught in the Good News Club since we started back in 2009, I think of all those children. Some of them, Miss Dawn, are adults now, aren't they? And some of them are adults. 2009, that's a long time teaching children. And now, years later, they're adults. And you know, when they were sitting in that classroom, they may not have received Christ as Savior there. But they did have the seed planted, didn't they? And who knows, down the road as a teenager, maybe as an adult, if they trusted Christ because we were faithful to do what God wanted us to do then, and then we leave the results to him, don't we? And what does the Bible say is the results here? Well, the Bible says these Gentile Christians are filled with joy, number one, and they're filled, number two, with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's come to live within them. Now they're filled with the Holy Spirit of God and they've got joy in their hearts as well. By the way, that's opposite of what the Jews were like, right? The Jews were jealous and they were filled with hatred. The Gentiles were joyful and they were filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And we have choices to make, right? We can either be filled with jealousy and have hatred in our hearts or we can say, I want to be a joyful Christian with the Holy Spirit filling me and living inside of me so that I can do what He has for me to do and take advantage of the opportunities God gives me. May we be a church. May we be able to look at the examples that we are seeing in the book of Acts and realize that as we share the word of God with others, it will be effective as we allow God to produce the results. Father, thank you so much.